25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! Holy mackerel, it's Monday. Can y'all believe that? It is Monday. That came around quickly. I had a song on here. Yeah, um, I don't know where it is. I had a song on here last week. We played it. The Monday Monday song from the Mamas and the Papas. Come on. Sing along. Monday, Monday. So good to Monday, Monday. Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance in all 82 counties. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Hit them up. Staying connected to you because of C Spire. Well, I don't even have the slightest clue where to start on this Monday other than Joy is the first person to comment. She's watching the live stream on Facebook right now. We just started. Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. First thing she said was a nice cap. Yep, wearing a hat that's got the outline of the state of Mississippi on the front of it there. The khaki front, the white mesh back, and a white logo of the state of Mississippi on it. That uh, also comes from the Mississippi State University Golf Course. Now, this is one of my favorites that I've gotten from them. It's not one of my wife's favorites, though. She says it sits up too high on my head like a like a pawpaw hat. You don't know what I'm talking about. But it is my favorite, or one of my favorites. So thanks for the comment. Since you're first, Joy, you got the first shout-out. Y'all want to be a part of the show? You can be. Lots of ways to do that. Uh, as always, call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. I got it pulled up over here, so if you call... We'll chat it up here with you on this Monday. I got a question for you. I'm going to need your feedback. We, I need you to help me define something here today on the show. So we're going to get to that. Again, call me 995-1059. That's the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Highway 51, Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. Text me on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage. On grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. Y'all text me <clears throat> and we'll uh, take a look. It's 885 ESPN. That's also a 601 number. 885 ESPN. If you need the number, it's 885 3776. And uh, I'll be able to see what you've got to say on the text line. So that's another way to be a part of the show. Tweet me at Radio Wyatt. I've already gotten a bunch of tweets that are a response to a question I had <clears throat> that is on today's show. I'm going to start it off with you helping me answer this question that's coming up. But first, 
I want to say a good Monday morning to Beaver. Beaver, you seem to be grinning ear to ear because somebody has given you the radio version of a Dundee. What happened? Yeah. So Chris comes in today, and he comes in the studio carrying a bag, a mystery bag. It had uh-huh. Easter eggs on it. And I said, what you got in your bag? He's like, oh, someone left this for us. Oh, mystery. Okay. So he proceeded for the next hour straight to let it sit there after each segment, me telling him, we got to get to what's in that bag. <laughs> and he never got to the bag. Never and got to it. The final segment of the show, he finally gets to it, and it is from Hog Jowl, mm-hmm. a, a usual texter, and he made us first certificates. Like I mean, I'm talking he printed up. They look like diplomas. Special recognition. This certifies that Ben Martin is awarded the certificate for producer of the year in medium markets, <laughs> and Chris got one that said... Uh, radio personality of the year and it's signed by hog jowl that and is fantastic. he went to the trophy shop he went to crown trophy i can see that because of the stickers on the bottom <laughs> he actually went to a trophy shop and had this made it is producer of the year and on the top is a golden microphone <laughs> that is fantastic that's I mean, really awesome like not- he took time to do these things that's amazing you want to you want to kind of have a an acceptance speech right here for your award kind of like you're <laughs> up on the stage at the uh what what would it be at the uh at the Oscars or whatever you want to do that yeah well, I, I would like to take a moment I want to thank all the little people <laughs> well first and first mostly we got to thank hog jowl because he also wrote us a letter mm-hmm. and it explains that he nominated for us this is the Graham he did a little research too. This is the Graham McNamee Golden Throat Award. That's great. McNamee was the radio announcer who did play-by-play for the first nationally aired sporting event in America, the 1927 Rose Bowl. How about that? So he looked all that up and put it on the certificate for you. Yeah, really cool, Hog Jowl. Wherever you are and however you're tuning in, man, what a great thing! I want to see a picture of the uh, trophy. You ought to tweet one out whenever you get a chance. Oh, I but, will. you know, being the hardest working man in, in the producer world, it's hard for you to find time to tweet anything out during a radio show, isn't it? <laughs> during a normal day. We got to wait till tonight around midnight. We'll get a picture of it on Twitter. Uh, so y'all follow Beaver if you don't get a chance. Well, that's really cool. Hog Jow, appreciate you doing that. <clears throat> Made a couple of guys' days, man. It's what it sounds like to me. Made their day. All right. Here is a question for you. Now, this when I say for you, I mean everybody. If you're listening, if you can call, text, or tweet, you know, feel free. Like I said, I've gotten a bunch of responses to this on Twitter. I'm going to tell you what people said. Beaver, this for you, too. I, it, maybe together we can try to answer this question. The question is going, well, the question is, what do you define as a dynasty in sports? Like, how do we define what is a dynasty in sports? You're like, well, Matt, you obviously thought of that because of the fact that we've been watching this stuff on Sunday nights, the last dance about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And so surely that's the reason that you've got this thing, dynasty, on your mind uh, here on a Monday morning. It's actually not. 
The reason is because I looked here on one of my links that I get my email stuff each morning on this day, things in history on this day. And on this day, Monday, May the 11th, the final episode of the show Dynasty aired back in 1989. All right. Raise your hand if you're a child of the 80s and you never watched this show, but you know it because your mom watched every minute of it. Right, Dynasty. So I was thinking, no, when as soon as I saw Dynasty, and I've been thinking about the Bulls and other things as well, so I floated it out there on Twitter. How do you define what is a sports dynasty? All right? Beaver, if I just walked up to you and just randomly with no warning whatsoever, and I said to you, hey, Beaver, how do you define what a sports dynasty is? Now, how do you think you would answer that? There's got to be multiple titles in a pretty short time. Okay. But now what, but what's that length of time? Yeah. What is the question? Yeah. It's interesting that you touch on that championships, titles. Um, listen to some of the responses that I got on Twitter. And I think some of the better ones are, are touching on, on that part of it. Um, I put the question out there on Twitter. If you want to see it and see the re- responses, it's at Radio Wyatt. How should we define a dynasty in sports? Eric said, definition of a sport, I'm sorry, domination of a sport for an extended period of time in terms of championships. I think he says, I think more than two championships over a seven year period. Okay. Lynn, who's watching on Facebook right now, says multiple championships in at least a decade. Nick just responded on Twitter with Tiger Woods. Philip said his Spurs 20-plus years of excellence. Okay, and there's championships in there. Somebody said a decade of dominance. Now dominance is obviously going to mean championships. Here's the thing. Like, this is really specific. Sean very specifically says, I think each sport has its own metric and championships, while probably the first metric cannot be the only metric, but they certainly factor in. He goes, well, I think you have to win your division or conference four in a row, five out of six, a high win percentage higher than your historical average, and at least two championships. Okay, so he's kind of in line with you, but he also went divisions. Okay. Let me throw this in there. Since Beaver mentioned championships, you got to have those. Lynn said it, multiple championships in at least a decade. Uh, Sean on Twitter said at least two championships, or, you know, with the trophy emoji. But also he mentioned, okay, I think you have to win your division or conference 14 in a row. Five out of six. The Atlanta Braves with 14 straight division titles and one World Series championship in 1995. Is that a dynasty? What do y'all think about that? Did the Atlanta Braves, did I get it right with 14? 14 straight division titles winning their division, but one World Series championship. Would you consider the Braves and during that time a dynasty? Now, that's just devil's advocate question. 
I think most people, especially, you know, baseball fans, if you're not a Braves fan, you're probably going to go, well, no, no, that's not a dynasty, right? Right, because you everybody's going to look at the number of championships. There was there were a few more answers I wanted to show you. On Twitter, in response to that question, Todd said, no one ever had a dynasty or was said to have had a dynasty after coming in second. So it's all about championships. He says, for me, it has to be over 50% over multiple years. Two out of three, it would be just the start. You know, three out of four, four out of five, to him, is a dynasty. Now, again, we go. here's a specific example. John on Twitter said, for it to be a dynasty, Major League Baseball, 8 to 10 years winning multiple championships, like the Yankees. NBA, three or more championships in a decade, plus a few runners-up, like the Lakers and the Celtics, the Bulls of the 90s. In the NFL, he said it's easy. Packers, Cowboys, Niners, Steelers, Pats, right? Patriots had all these titles. See, when I was bringing up the, the Braves, you know, all these division titles, one World Series. Lynn on Facebook said, well, what about the Bills of the 90s? Well, they go like four straight Super Bowls. They didn't win one. Vikings of the 70s. Are they a dynasty? Kept going, kept going, but didn't really cap a bunch of them off. Nathan on Twitter says, it's, uh, it's subjective, but very apparent in some cases. See, now that answer right there, you go, it's subject, subjective, but apparent. It reminds me of, what was it, a Supreme Court justice? He was seeing some kind of case or whatever, and it was about pornography, and they were trying to define what it was. And he said, well, it's hard to define, but I know it when I see it. Okay, what? so maybe the same for a dynasty in sports. Nathan said UCLA basketball in the 60s, 70s, no doubt. Jordan and the Bulls, Yankees in a couple of eras. Certainly, what, the 20s and 30s Yankees? The Montreal Canadiens, we're talking about hockey, which is something I'm unfamiliar with. Larry just simply said three or more consecutive championships. So we, if that was the definition, Larry, we could go find a team that won two championships, even back-to-back ones. But if it's not three or more, we wouldn't call them a dynasty. So dynasty in sports, Pretty much all of us are pointing to two things, a combination of two things. Championship winning over a longer and extended period of time, right? That's what we're looking at. It's not the, you know, the St. Louis Rams winning the Super Bowl. Obviously not a dynasty. It's the Cowboys winning three out of, Three Super Bowls in four years or five years or whatever the heck it was, right? Like, so that was an, a dynasty in that era. You can actually find a lot of stuff about it, uh, in, especially in terms of pro sports. Now, let me throw another layer into the questioning on this. Why? Now, and Beaver, I'm just going to ask you, I just want to see what your response is because you nailed it on the first one, I feel like. Why, when we go sports dynasties, immediately what we do is we point out professional teams and the occasional 
UCLA basketball just because it is the most obvious example in college. Nobody, if I ask somebody you know, about sports dynasties, nobody brings up anything about Alabama football. They will only bring up UCLA basketball from the 60s and 70s. It's almost always a professional sports term. Why don't we ever use the word dynasty in regards to high school sports? What do you think the answer to that is? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, it doesn't. We don't witness it as much. I mean, mm-hmm. the South Panola—that was a dynasty. It really Absolute was dynasty. Yeah, but we haven't seen, especially around here, we haven't seen anything close to that. So, I don't know. It's it's much less. It's I'm sorry, much more rare. Yeah. Well, you know that's the thing. It's like. It is a term, okay, that's all it is. It's a term that we as sports fans have just adopted, right, and and loosely taken the original definition of that word dynasty. Like if you look up the this, the word dynasty, uh, a line of hereditary rulers of a country, uh, alternate definition, a succession of people from the same family who play a prominent role in business, politics, or another field. Okay, so like the TV show Dynasty was about a family, per definition of the word. (laughs) However, as sports fans, it's funny. We take this word, and we've now loosened it up. We're not just talking about families that they got the same last name and lineage and rule a country or involved in ruling a business. Now, it's, it's a team, because they've won championships. So it's a sports dy- so sports dynasty is almost like a term all unto itself from the original definition of the word dynasty. Yet, as sports fans, whether it's Matt and Beaver in Mississippi or whether it's, you know, Joe Smith in Boston, we all look at sports dynasty. We start answering the question the same way. Professional sports. Every time we do pro sports, Yankees, Bulls, and, and MJ, you know, the Cowboys, the, the Packers, you know, we do pro. And then occasionally we'll go, well, definitely in college, UCLA basketball in the 60s, 70s. John Wooden, the coach, you know, um, what was his name? Uh, Lou Alcindor before he became Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I mean, that's. We don't even go. We don't even go so far as to start talking about USC under Pete Carroll. Well, we said multiple championships. Well, they had it. We don't even go so far. We, nobody ever mentions Notre Dame football at any point in time as a dynasty. And we don't talk about Nick Saban when we say dynasty. They say it in the state of Alabama, but universally, sports fans, we just don't do. We don't take the term sports dynasty and tag it to college teams, and we never do it. In high school. And at Beaver, I think you're right. You don't have as many examples. Well, we certainly do here in the state of Mississippi. Even right now, we point to South Panola. What they did over, we never seen anything like it. But And we called them the University of South Panola. But very seldom do we automatically attach that term, sports dynasty, dynasty, to high school teams. I can't figure out why we do that as human beings. We do what we want with a word and with a term, but we, I don't know, 
we don't follow our own rules on it. <laughs> Is it multiple championships over a period of time? Well, we could probably find other schools and programs. I'm sure there's a baseball program. I'm sure there's a basketball. What about right there in the uh, in the Jackson Metro? In the um, uh, the uh, Monte Ellis years and all, when what, what was the school? Uh, was it Lanier or Provine? Lanier. So it's Lanier that's winning all those championships and, and there every year. But we never, nobody ever refers to him as a dynasty. But you find me a pro team that won three championships in four years or five years. And man, they are forever solidified in the, in the history books as a sports dynasty. Lots of really interesting stuff about it on the Country Pleasing text line, too. And I'm going to get to all your answers next. And some really interesting thoughts on it. Um, you, again, you can find a million different lists out there. Sports dynasties. Google it. You know, list of sports dynasties. You know how many college teams you'll find on it? One. UCLA basketball. The rest, it's Bulls, Patriots, Yankees, Celtics. I found one list that included Alabama football from 2007 to the present. But that was really it. One list. It's funny how we do that. Hey, speaking of Alabama football, too, their roster is going to look a lot different this year than you thought going into the weekend. A very prominent name is leaving the Alabama football program. I don't know if you heard about it. I'll tell you who it is next. And I'm also going to get to your text about this whole dynasty thing. Coming up next here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. Back on the show. Seemed like a fast start to the Monday show. I just had that on my mind. You know, one of those stream of consciousness things. The show Dynasty ended on this day in 1989. Thinking about dynasties. Then I started thinking about sports dynasties. Then I looked up all the lists out there. And I agree with pretty much all of it. But man, there's really only two college programs that are ever even mentioned in the conversations about sports dynasties. That's UCLA basketball a million years ago and Alabama football recently. And that's it. And certainly no high school stuff. And even in our own state, very seldom do we talk about these great programs and that, that went on these fantastic runs of championships. We don't use the word dynasty for high school teams. It's, it's, I don't know why that is. It's like we, we stay away from it for some reason. Look for other terms. <laughs> it's just funny how we do those things. Back here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio, text me on the uh, country pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Uh, Hogdowl, shout out to you, man. We talked about those great trophies that uh, you left for the, the uh, sports personality of the year, Chris Brooks from the, the Gridiron, and producer of the year, Beaver. <clears throat> they got trophies and certificates and everything else, and I'm honored because Hogjowl says on the 
country pleasing text line. He said, you were honorable re- mention right next to Chris. Well, right. It's better than nothing, isn't it? The Hog Jowl Awards. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Does that come with a check? <laughs> Bully Bill on the country pleasing text line says, the only reasonable measure in terms of dynasties is by the decade. You can have multiple decades, but a decade should be the unit of measurement. Okay. So across 10 years and winning multiple championships in those 10 years. Uh, Three hump camel. When was the last time a team went to four straight Super Bowls? Right. Didn't the Bills go to four straight, lost them all? So they don't win one. But so they're not a dynasty. PT for MSU. He says, um, if you say those Braves teams are a dynasty, you have to say the Bills of the early 90s are too. That's not a dynasty. And I'm a Braves fan because the personnel varies so much from year to year. And it really does. And I agree with you. I'm a Braves fan as well. Diehard have been my whole life. I don't refer to them as a dynasty. Because of one World Series. Because I know the rest of the world is not going to... If I go up to a you know, a Yankees fan or a Patriots fan or a Packers fan and say, hey, the Braves were a dynasty back then, they go, Pah. <laughs> no, they're not. They laugh at you because you, you only have one championship. Isn't it funny? We have defined it pretty much universally. It must be more than one championship. Overall championship. Slippery when Rhett on the text line said, my mom's high school alma mater, Permian High, has been in the dynasty conversation on the national level in years past. So Permian, we're talking about Texas. Do I have that right? Highlighted in that television show. I I have not watched a lot of Friday Night Lights. I'm aware of it. Uh, Unnamed texter said what the Braves and the Bills and Vikings had was a dynasty. Oh, that's Big Mike in uh, Madison. What about LSU baseball? Okay, somebody texted in LSU baseball, and I don't, I don't want to Google it and look it up right now, but um, what, what, what are we talking about there? How many championships in what period of time? Okay, for LSU baseball, I'm serious. Y'all look it up. Somebody tell me because you may have one on your hands right there that we never mentioned. And never include as a dynasty. Was LSU baseball at some point a dynasty? See, this is one of those shows, and I'm, I know, I mean, this is one of those shows where all I have is questions. <laughs> I ain't got a whole lot of answers on this. Here's an interesting one. A text. MRA boys basketball team is a dynasty, even though they lost to a very good James Crane coach Simpson Academy team this year in the overall semis. They are still a dynasty. Ghost Pepper. My Aunt Carol has won the Wabashaw County Fair um, Watermelon Seed uh, Spitting Distance Championship seven years in a row. That's a dynasty. DB says the Atlanta Braves were dominant, but not a dynasty. And I think that's how, I think that's where everybody would have it. But I looked up a list. Um, my A guy that I've uh, Talked to you before. I know he's been on some shows. Uh, I don't know if I've ever interviewed Bill Bender with the Sporting News on this show, but I know Bill, and I know other shows here have interviewed him. 
But he did a list. I think this goes back really last couple of years. He put this together. Number one, New England Patriots from 2001 to present. So you're talking about two decades worth right there. Six Super Bowl championships in over two decades. Number one, Dynasty Patriots. Number two, UCLA basketball. Ten national championships in 12 seasons under John Wooden. Number three, Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan, three-peats twice. Six championships, three in a row, break, three in a row. How do you not have that number one? <clears throat> there, That's number one, ahead of the Patriots. Number four, Yankees. Um, from 49 to 56, I mentioned the 20s, but this is 49 to 56. Yankees, KC Stingles teams won Five straight world championships from 49 to 53, and then added another one in 56. You're talking about Barra, DiMaggio, all those guys. Uh, the 50s, 60s Celtics at number five. And then at number six, he had Alabama football, 07 to present. Um, five national championships in 10 seasons under Nick Saban. We got anything else like that in college football? No. UConn women's basketball, he had them at number seven. Okay, they won 11 national championships under Gino Ariyama since 1995. And that included 18 of 19 appearances in the Final Four. There, there was another Yankees era, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah, and then the list goes on and on. You got to get down in the teens before he got to like the Steelers, who won four Super Bowls in six seasons. He had them at number 13. So, again, it's mostly pro sports. Y'all want to see that list. It was a good one. Um, I just thought we do definitely have examples in high school sports in the state of Mississippi of dynasties. Right off the tip of everybody's tongue will be South Panola. No question about it. Uh, Keith over here watching the uh, Facebook live stream said Tyler Russell put an end to the South Panola winning streak at 89 wins in a row. And I remember that. I think I called, I may have been on the call for that game back when I did the high school championship games. Uh, seems like maybe I was. I may not have been. I can't remember for sure. I remember seeing it one way or the other. And it was pretty incre incredible. That game was incredible. It really was. Hey, and, uh, you know, I mentioned Alabama. Uh, speaking of, did y'all see this? We got an Alabama story, and it's it's about football, and it is relevant. We're not trying too hard to make sure that we have some college football to talk about. By the way, um, speaking of Alabama football, Today is Cam Newton's birthday, and so earlier today I was watching the replay on YouTube of Cam Newton's comeback in the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa in 2010. I still don't think I've seen anything like it. All right, no, here's the news. Tua Tagovailoa's younger brother, Talia Tagovailoa, is in the transfer portal. His name is in the portal. Now, when I put this link in here and I thought, I'm going to tell the people who listen to my show 
about the fact that Tua's younger brother is leaving. Well, it's not a... It, it's not, it may be a formality, but it's not a technicality just yet. You know what I mean by that. Because if you're in the portal, you're just in the portal, you may decide to come back. Uh, you know, so like when I pulled up the ESPN article, it said, Talia Tongavaloa might not be following in the footsteps of his record-setting brother after all. Well, might very intentionally in there because his name's in the portal, which means he could always come back to Alabama if he didn't go somewhere else. Sophomore, third-string quarterback, Tua's younger brother. Now, y'all, please forgive me for a minute, and I'm sure that somewhere there's an Alabama fan will roll his eyes and go, well, here we go. Here goes Matt. But listen, I'm not the only one. It's not out too far on a limb to be just a little bit skeptical of this whole thing. I'm going to describe for you the scenario here. You tell me where I am not accurate. Five-star quarterback from Hawaii. Signs with Alabama. His family moves to Alabaster, Alabama, right outside Birmingham. His younger brother goes to high school. Big recruit outside Birmingham, originally from Hawaii, signs with Alabama. Tua gets selected in the first round of the draft by Miami. And now younger brother is transferring out. I would bet that the Tongvaloas are probably moving from Alabaster. Am I wrong? I don't say anything wrong with any of it. I just think I described the situation accurately. I think that's the world we live in. Anyway, he's going somewhere else. Let's see if it's in Miami. Y'all stick around. Back on the show. Any Anybody else out there dieting, losing weight? I've been doing that. Now, this is not... I, I'm very sensitive to this thing of, you know, somebody does something good and they always want to brag about it. I, that's not what I'm doing at all. I don't want to be that guy. Hey, Matt's losing weight, so every day he's going to tell us he's losing weight. Nope, that's not what I'm doing. It's like people who do CrossFit. One of the requirements of doing CrossFit is that you go tell everybody that you do CrossFit. <laughs> right? Allegedly. No, I had something happen yesterday for the first time. I just wonder if anybody else goes through this or has gone through it. So as I stand here, not sitting anymore, standing, that's another part of all this, standing every day for the show as opposed to sitting, finally getting used to that. It's funny that that would take getting used to, but, you know, after two years, well, really more than that, it's really more than that. After 12 years of doing radio seated, um, at least on this show, over two years of sitting two hours every day, standing up every day is a little different. So I'm finally used to it. Um, standing here today, having lost a little over 30 pounds since the beginning of February, when I kind of decided to kick this in. I've done this at different times in my life. I know how to do it. It's just 
getting committed to doing it and I've had to do that two or three different times. So I'm standing here right now as of today in terms of just actual pounds, lost just a little over 30 and the goal was 40. So I still have a little ways to go. But in this journey of now just a hair over 30 pounds lost, February, March, April, you know, the better, so just a little over three months, something happened yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, May the 10th, that on Mother's Day, that had not happened yet. Beaver, some hunger hit me that was unlike any level of hunger I've experienced in the last three months. It's like my body and my brain just decided, we're not putting up with this anymore. That's it. That, and I was so overcome with hunger that I just started grabbing stuff and shoving it in my mouth. <laughs> what, what kind of stuff? Okay. Examples. Uh, let me get, so I go to the pantry. I sling open the doors. I grab in one hand a big gallon carton of goldfish crackers. <laughs> I pour them into my giant hand, banana hand. I can hold probably two, three servings, hundreds of those crackers in one hand full at once and just start cramming them into my mouth eating. When that was done, that wasn't enough. Then I open this bag of pretzels and just I'm like, rah, 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 cookie monster eating pretzels. That's not enough. So then I moved on to, after I'm, I walked away and I'm like, God, I got to quit eating. I'm going to go over, you know, because I'm counting calories, right? But my body, I had a feeling of hunger. I don't know that I have felt very many times in my life. I don't know what was going on. Make a long story short, I went way, way over my calorie limit. And I did it in about two hours yesterday afternoon around five o'clock. It was pitiful. And I mean, I hate that this is from non-serious example, which is mine, to a very serious example, which would be someone who's like an alcoholic who falls off the wagon and just, you know, drinks themselves into a blackout after being sober for a long time. That's kind of how I felt. I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't eat enough. Totally embarrassed by it. And I just wonder, like, does everybody that loses a lot of weight and goes through a diet thing where you're just doing calories, do you go through that too? Or did I have something going on? <laughs> I've done it. Hey, you've done that too? I did it. Well, uh, let's see. Well, I've done it a few times. I've tried several different diets throughout the years, but the last one I can remember just last year. Really? When I, try, when I tried keto, keto did not go well for me. And, and what is that? What is keto? Keto is uh, extremely, extremely low carbs. Oh, okay. Like you want to stay uh, pretty much under, some people say under 50 carbs. A lot of people say under 30 carbs a day. Uh -huh. um, but what, so basically you're getting almost no carbs. Uh-huh. And I was just eating meat, cheese, and eggs. Okay. I went into the pantry just like you. <laughs> One night. And from what I can remember, I got uh, Belveda breakfast biscuits <laughs> with almond butter. I grabbed like three Nature Valley granola bars. Um, 
which granola bars may sound healthy, but no. Not really, no. no. <laughs> it's like there a was, candy bar. Yeah, I remember a uh, bagel, and like I just put cheese on it and melted the cheese, make a cheese bagel. Like in ent- I think I ate an entire package of saltine crackers. Uh-huh. Like I'm talking an entire sleeve that is, and that may not have been all. That's just all I can remember. I'm telling you right now, if there had been a box of saltine crackers within reach yesterday afternoon, I'd have eaten every one of them. I was mm-hmm. in this mental state of don't care about anything other than getting food in my stomach. It was it was weird. I haven't been through that a whole lot. I'm just glad Beaver to know I wasn't the only one. Did you like? Did you like from that one binge eating experience while you were on keto? Did you experience any negative effects? No, just hunger. <laughs> In other words, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. Didn't really gain it. I hope so. Maybe you're maybe sometimes you get to a point where you go overboard and your body just says, We're taking over. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what happens. Well. Let's uh let's binge a little baseball uh, information right now. Just all it is info, throwing it your way. Me out to Major League Baseball is going to cut its 2020 draft to five rounds as owners look to save costs in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. The plan, which has been relayed by and two scouting directors, is going to allow teams to sign an unlimited number of undrafted players for $20,000 each. The draft is expected to be June the 10th. Now, there are major ramifications, therefore. For college baseball programs all around the country, including the big bad boys, which uh, the big the big boys, which the big bad programs, which are us. Okay, so that'll be something I get into this week with some experts starting tomorrow, where we will see what this actually means uh, for college programs. Okay, so that's coming up. I want to um, give you a what is a sad story. But it's an incredible story at the same time. We all remember the movie, don't we? A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. And that iconic scene from A League of Their Own. Say, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I- I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering... Because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. I mean, how great is Tom Hanks, right? How great is Tom Hanks? Zip it, Doris. I'm saving this one for a caller every now and then. We might need it. Oh, you zip it, Doris. Zip it, Doris. Here's the story. Mary Pratt, believed to be the last surviving member of the Rockford Peaches, has passed away. She was 101 years old. Her death of this past week was confirmed by her nephew, Rockford Peaches were a part of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. The league immortalized in the 1992 film, A League of Their Own. What a life 
101 years and played for the Rockford Peaches, Mary Pratt. What a life. There's no crying in baseball. What a great movie. Zip it, Doris. Baseball car collectors, here's one for you, too. Here is one for you. And, yeah, I guess there's a movie reference in here, too. A baseball card of Shoeless Joe Jackson. If you build it, you will come. How spooky is that? Is that the spookiest thing? <laughs> Beaver, right now, there's somebody listening to this show out on their back porch. And I'm about to freak him out. If you build, you will come. <laughs> hey, honey, what was that? What was that? That voice. I didn't hear a voice. A shoeless Joe Jackson baseball card from a 1910 series called the T210 Old Mill has sold at auction for $492,000. Folks, hang on to those old baseball cards. I have boxes of them laying around. I'm not saying where. This is live broadcast. But I got some somewhere. And they're not going anywhere. You just never know. All it takes for them to make a movie about somebody and you're sitting there with a card. Who knows? You may have the next one that someday at auction will go for four hundred and ninety two thousand dollars honey where are my baseball cards stick around for hour two of the show stay with me you're listening to the matt wyatt show